Well, good morning, church. So excited to see you. Welcome to church. You excited to be here? Yeah. You all look fantastic. Man, it just, it feels so nice to be back. And uh, I'm, I love church so much. I'm doing church in person and online simultaneously. So everyone online, uh, give, give us a shout out. Tell us where you're watching from. Uh, excited. To be, I'm watching on Facebook Live, but we have people watching on YouTube. We have people watching on the website. Uh, the word is going out across the world. So anyway, that's actually how we had someone praying for Carrie in India because they were watching our service in the hills of Sikkim. So anyway, um, I'm glad my wife is better for sure. Uh, she's a good, she's a good sick person. She made me dinner. She, um, Now, she's a really good sick person, but I, I did want to address the fact that a few of you brought us meals during that time, and I want to say two things. Number one, it really, we just appreciate it so much, and you don't realize how much you appreciate those things until you're in that time of need. Um, the second thing is I'd hate to rob you of a blessing if you'd like to continue sending meals. <laughs> we will continue to accept and receive them. Anyway. I'm just happy to be home. I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm excited to give away. I want to give away a book. It's called Renewing the Mind 2.0. With God's grace, you can change. I, it's one of my favorites. It's in the well. Um, it just talks about our framework for thinking. And let's see, who can I give this to? Is there a man in the room turning 60 today? Yeah, Tim. Wow, what luck. Let's give it up for Tim. 60 years old. Very good, man. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. He does not look 60 at all. Man, it should be illegal for a 60-year-old to carry those guns. <laughs> uh, where to start? I'm really grateful for Jesus today. I'm grateful for the message of the cross that didn't stop at the cross, but carried on through the grave, the resurrection. It didn't stop with, you know, the, the story of the Jews, but somehow we got grafted into the vine as a Gentile, and we have become co-heirs with Christ. I, I love the fact that John 3.17, we know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love what the next verse says. It says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I'm just thankful for Jesus today. I am just so thankful that we are saved by faith in Christ alone, not of works, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? It is a gift from God so that you and I can't boast. I'm, I'm thankful for a God who saw through time and saw this old boy, Trey, who was going to need the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God to transform his life. And it's not built at all on what I'm worth. It's not built at, at all on what I can do. It's simply built on what Christ has already done. So there becomes so much freedom in a relationship with Jesus when you can look around at circumstances and you can ask yourself, first of all, am I handling them right? And secondly, well, even if I don't, God still loves me, right? There's so much freedom 
in Jesus. I'm talking about FOMO, fear of missing out. We've talked about heaven. We've talked about faith. I've talked to you from, gosh, my greenhouse, my car, my home office. I'm glad to be standing in church today because I want to talk to you about fear of missing out on another aspect of the gospel that we often trivialize or we overlook or we we condense it into one very small box. And I, I hope to communicate to us today that this notion of fear of missing out on prosperity goes beyond the gospel of money. Can I get an amen from the people in the back? I'm not just talking about money today. However, I'm not excluding money. I'm not, I'm not that preacher either. I, I happen to believe that when God says all things, he means all things, right? 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. If you have your Bible, circle that, highlight it, underline it, rip it out and stick it to your forehead. All things. He wants us to prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the Lord has sent me here today to tell you that you can have more. You fill in the blank of more. I'm not going to put limitations on God because as soon as I try to convince you, God's not really talking about money, he will just bless your socks off. And I hope that he does. But the, the moment that I say, well, yeah, the more doesn't really include peace. He will flood your soul with so much peace. And I hope that he does. Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you that Acts 4.12 tells us that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. And so, God, we just thank you for the name of Jesus on which we gather today. God, I thank you for the Bible-believing Jesus, loving people in this room and online. And I thank you for the people that are watching right now that are far from you, but they're being drawn close to you, Father. I thank you. God, I thank you that you're going to help us get new perspective on prosperity. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say, amen. Amen. All right, I want to take you to our text because our time is short today. To Galatians chapter 6. Now, last week, was it last week I did Galatians 5? Or the week prior? Was last week or the week before? This is a guarantee, 100%. It's one of those. I talked about Galatians 5 where the Apostle Paul was talking to Galatia. And I, I don't think I shared with you, but it's, it's in minor Asia, Asia Minor, uh, where Turkey is. So if you've ever been that way, you know, the good old Middle East, then you have been to Galatia. And that is who Paul is talking to in the Galatians because they were trying to establish laws and systems and They were trying to win people to Christ by convincing them to get circumcised. (laughs) That's a great evangelism strategy. Hey, come follow Jesus. We can just take care of that for you out back. (laughs) And so Paul writes to Galatians and says, hey, yo, 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 simmer down. This is not what the gospel of Jesus is about. The gospel of Jesus has no strings attached. 
And I'm thankful for that because every other religion on planet Earth has some strings attached to it. There is no other God either written down or man-made and told through stories that doesn't call humans to some type of behavior and commitment to follow through. But Jesus said he's already done it. Everything that is required has been required that you and I couldn't fulfill, right? You know, everyone owes God a death. D-E-A-T-H, a death. Every human owes God a death, and that is a debt that we could not pay. Thankfully, Jesus paid what we couldn't pay. It's through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, that you and I can now enter into the throne room of God. And Paul is trying to get people to realize in Galatia, wake up. Hey, there's no reason why you need to try to earn that which has already been won for you. I mean, you can make a blessing if you want to, but if you make one, you're going to miss one, and the one you miss is going to be greater than the one you make. So you can try to establish religion and establish a relationship with God based on your own merit and the things that you do, but the problem is that's not really a relationship with Yahweh. That's a relationship with the God you made. In Galatians 6, verse 7, it's a fantastic verse. We're just going to hover on this one today. This one verse, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. I want to break this down, and this principle is so true that Paul begins by telling us not to question its validity. You see that? That scripture has two parts. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And then he goes into the next part that he wants you to understand. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Those are, those are two parts of the scripture. Are you with me? Can we throw that scripture back up? What Paul is wanting you to get is the last part. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay? That's the meat of the message that Paul wants you to get. But he prefaces the meat by telling you this is so important that if you don't get this principle, you're mocking God. This is so important. If you don't get this principle, you are deceived. Okay? That's the the scripture that we're looking at. There's two parts. The first part is the warning. He's not trying to just tell you, hey, God's not mocked. Don't make fun of God. That's not what he's doing. He's telling you, I'm about to tell you something so fundamental to your Christian faith. And listen, Galatia, you sure have messed things up quite a bit. That's why I'm writing this book to you. But I need you to know this is one thing you can't afford to miss. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. So the word deceived, let's, let's look at that in the Greek, shall we? Class. If we go in the Greek, it's planao. Everybody say planao. Very good. Greek little scholars. Good. Planao. And what that means is to roam from safety, to wander, to be seduced, to go astray. So Paul is saying, don't roam from the safe place 
That's deception. You're safe. You're safe now. Don't roam from it. If you roam from it, if you fall away from it, then you're deceived. He says, don't wander. Don't be seduced. So there's something about the second part of Galatians 6, 7 that is very seductive. I don't know. We'll get there. I don't know. But Paul is saying there's something that wants to seduce you out of truth. And when you're seduced out of truth, you won't agree with this final statement. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Can I get a good amen? This word... Planao is usually used in the New Testament to depict activity of false teachers who deliberately lead people astray from liberty into spiritual bondage. (laughs) So what the second part of this verse is, it is something that allows us to have freedom in Christ, not bondage. Deception, you know, we... It's so funny how the devil will take things of the world and he will seduce you and he will make you think that you're getting all of this freedom, yet you are currently free in Christ. And then you get just so confused and so seduced and you just wander away from the safe place. And before you know it, he's not just taking your hand, he's locking your hand and you are bound and deceived from truth. And Paul is saying... Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray from this very fundamental thing. Whatever a man sows, he also will reap. And with with Paul, while he wrote this verse, um, the language he used was a command coupled with a very big prohibition. In other words, let's throw that verse back up there. I'm, I'm working Greg Smoot today on projection. Isn't he doing awesome? Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God is not Mock. So he, he's paired a warning with a prohibition that can be translated as stop being deceived. So we know that Galatia is currently in the middle of some deception. So in chapter 5, right, Paul was writing to the church in Galatia and he said, hey, it's, you don't need to get circumcised, right? This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the flesh. And, and you don't need to worry about all of those rules and regulations. Christ has already paid that. And then in Galatians 6, 7, he says, don't be deceived. Translated as stop being deceived. The spirit of confusion is already at work among you. Stop being deceived. He's pretty adamant. I I could just imagine him writing it. You know, I don't know what kind of pen he used. Probably Bic. And he used a Bic pen. And I just imagine with such force, he's writing this and it's scraping the paper because he, this church in Galatia, I need you to get this. Like if you don't get this, all lawlessness is going to start to go downhill and we're, we're going to walk away from the faith in which, I mean, I was just there with you and, and you're doing so good. Come on now, stop being deceived. That's the passion that I hope you sense in this one tiny little verse. God is not mocked. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not this gentle God is not mocked. It's Paul grabbing the shirt collars of the Galatians and and, and pulling them up close, getting, you know, so close they can smell a stanky breath. And he says, stop being deceived. God is not mocked. 
Now just imagine. I mean, if it were me, Paul did that to me. I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. Tell me, what do I need to change? Tell me. Tell me, do I need to go to temple seven times a, a week? Do I need to pay 50% tithe? What? Tell, t- just tell me, tell me. Do I need to cut my hair? Do I need to not wear makeup? Do I, just tell me. What, do I need, what is it that I need to do? And Paul would say, well, Trey, you're a guy. First of all, you shouldn't be wearing makeup. But no, that's not it. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. It doesn't sound that profound at the surface level. I know it almost feels like I am 2020 media trying to hype up this sensationalized story of Galatians 6-7, but I need you to hear me today. It's a big deal. We, we currently live in a day in a time where everything is challenged. The things of God that have been implanted into our souls, into our hearts, the fabric of our church is being challenged. This is not an America issue. This is a global issue where the enemy understands his time is short and he's doing everything he can to bring confusion on the hearts and minds of the people. He doesn't even hide anymore. Listen, what the devil likes to do is he likes to show up and sit on the back row of churches. Now, we got some people on the back row. This is not at all talking about you. I love you guys. Y'all are serving. I'm really, no one look back there because this has nothing to do with that. What the devil likes to do, though, is show up and hide in the churches on the back row, the back pew, and infiltrate into the body and deceive people, right? That's what he likes to do. But now it's so in your face what the devil is doing around the world. It is so in your face, not because it's his best card, but it's because it's his last card. He has transferred from trying to be subtle, trying to make you think it's Sister Susie or Brother Joe or whatever being the problem. He's so in your face at this point, he doesn't even mind getting the credit because he knows his time is short. So he has got to do everything he can to rob from us that which we know the Lord has said. And one of these things that you and I have to get is whatever a man sows, he will reap. A lot of people scoff. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just dressing myself right in front of you. Nothing to see here. A lot of people scoff about this notion of giving. It will be given back to you. I don't know if I have extra ear sweat or what, but this thing is not. Just too distracting. Hello? I don't really know where I was going. So I just know that I... I'm sorry? People scoff. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mom. Um, 
the, the enemy, you know, wants to confuse us. And, and, and more now than ever, the world is looking at you and thinking you're ridiculous. Thinking you're crazy for believing the things that you believe. I mean, can we just be honest, right? It is a little bit crazy that we believe that Jesus Christ was born of a what? A virgin? Sorry, parents. I just realized all the kids, you can have that conversation later. It's just crazy what we believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, went into a grave. And three days later, he, what? You believe what? It's crazy, right? <laughs> have you ever stopped, have you ever honestly stopped to think of how certifiably crazy you are in the things that you believe as a follower of Jesus Christ? And the world wants us to believe that, ah, the Bible said it, that's, that's archaic. No, the Bible is accurate. When it says, given, it will be given back to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It actually means, given, it will be given back to you, in good measure, with what measure you use, it will be given back to you. Like, it, it actually means what it says. You understand that many believers, and especially young believers, and it frustrates me, not the young believer, the situation that they find themselves in, is, is they hear the old timers like me and like you saying, trust God, given will be given back to you. Yeah, God calls us to give 10%, or yes, Jesus rose from the dead, or yes, Jesus is coming back again to receive the church to himself. It's this thing called the rapture that's really happening, y'all. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. And, and, and the new believer is bombarded with all of these fanatical, crazy things that you and I believe, and the world is trying to convince them of how crazy we are. And so I feel concerned for the new believer because they're somewhat in, in the middle of this war. And that is exactly what Paul stands firm on. He's standing firm on this principle of sowing and reaping because he knows this is one thing that the world is going to try to confuse us on. The word mocked. Let's talk about that. The word mocked is Mukte Rizzo. Mukte Rizzo. Say that. Mukte Rizzo. God, you just sound like little Greek scholars. It's great. Mukte Rizzo um, translated snout like a pig snout or to turn up one's nose at someone. So when it says God is not mocked, it means you will not turn your nose up at him. You won't turn your little snout up at Jesus. Like he will be faithful to finish the word that he said. And if he said it, he will do it. God is not mocked, mukte, rizzo. The idea of someone who arrogantly says, come on, you don't surely believe in this principle, this silly principle of sowing and reaping, do you? How dumb can you be to believe that God will multiply what you sow. Now, you don't have to be a scholar to know this. This is how it gets mixed up. It gets mixed up by good-meaning people who try to follow the law of sowing and reaping. And they say, 
little things like I tried to tithe. I tried to be committed. I tried to be faithful. I tried to be obedient. Are you with me? What's the common denominator? Tried. We have to move from trying to actually doing. And, and I'm going to prove that to you in this verse because Paul doesn't want this, this belief to take root in the Galatia church. So he speaks loudly, firmly about this, commanding the Galatian believers to disassociate themselves not only from that belief system, but from the people who embrace that belief system. So this is a very, very big deal. That's why I'm really only hitting one verse today, Galatians 6, 7. This is a very fundamental belief to our Christian faith. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Thank you. Whatever. Whatever, any seed that you sow, you will reap. This is why it's so important. We're not just talking about your tithe money, church. God doesn't need your money to keep the lights on at this church. We don't need your money to keep paying my salary. I will preach the gospel with or without your money. I'm called to, and it's a blessing. Thank you. I appreciate that you give. I, I got bills. Okay. I appreciate that. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm grateful for your giving. But what I'm, what I'm saying to you is you're not doing God any favor by being obedient. You're not doing the pastors any favor by serving. You're not doing anyone any favor by doing what the Lord has already commanded you to do. You know what you're doing? You're unlocking your potential. You see, God is only obligated to fulfill his promise to you, but he's not obligated to fulfill your potential. That's up to you. And so we understand that whatever a man sows, that will he reap. And this is important on all accounts because you reap anger. You, no, you sow anger. You're going to reap anger. You sow doubt, you're going to reap doubt. You sow unforgiveness, you're going to reap unforgiveness. You sow hatred, you're going to reap hatred. Are you with me? Like it doesn't, that's, that's why I really, I really, man, I just want, I want you to hear this from my heart today because it's not about the money for me. I, I, I know that the money will happen once you get this principle, that's, but the, the, what I need you to get is the reason you're bound is because you have been sowing seeds of discord in your life. You don't get bound by the harvest of the fruit that grows. You get bound by the weeds and the thorns. And whatever a man sows, he will then reap it. This is critical. It's, it's fundamental. But here's the good news. The good news is for our mistakes, it takes a habitual sowing to get a harvest. That's good news. You have to habitually sow anger to reap anger. You have to habitually sow doubt to reap doubt. And th this is why we give up so often when we're, whenever we're giving and we're believing God for a harvest because we don't see it come to pass right when we want it to come to pass. 
This reap in the Greek, whatever man sows, he will reap. The tense is present continuous. So it could be translated, whatever a man sows, 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 he will also reap, 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 reap. Whatever a man sows, 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 sows. I could get Pedro to come and do a rap. Whatever man sows, 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 so it can be translated to that. Whatever we do habitually, we will then get a harvest of habitually. And too many times, a lot of us are sowing into kingdom principles as our last get out of jail card free, rather than making a lifestyle of sowing so that we get a lifetime of reaping. Let me read Galatians, and I'm out of time. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. I want to read the same verse we've been talking about, but in a different translation. This is the Passion Translation says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. It's funny that way, isn't it? We have never planted, we have never planted squash seeds and gotten watermelon. I I mean, I was annoyed because I got the squash seeds because they're cheaper than watermelon. And I really prayed when we planted those seeds. It seems so logical in like real life examples, right? But then when, we, when it comes to church, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't tithe. I just give them my time. Just saying, the seed, never mind. Let the Lord do a work there. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from everlasting life of the spirit. Then in verse 9, Galatians 6, 9. Paul takes a moment to encourage those of us who are waiting for a harvest. There are many of us in the room that are waiting for a harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Everything has a season, church. Based on the climate, based on the rain, based on the altitude, based on the time of year, everything has a season. And just because you've been faithful doesn't mean that your season isn't right around the corner. Do not lose heart. Some versions say, if you faint not. You ever read that? You faint not. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. If you don't lose heart, one version says, if you don't give up, it makes it almost seem like a a life or death thing, right? As in you're doing it and you're not. Like don't faint, stay with me, come on, get the smelling salt, don't faint, don't faint, don't faint, keep doing good, don't faint, don't faint. Uh, He fainted or, you know, um, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Come on, Lawrence, don't give up, don't give up, man. Come on, keep going. Come on, Lawrence, yeah. Don't give up, don't, Uh, he gave up. Like that's the connotation that we have of that. But the Greek translation, the word is if we don't relax. So it's not a you're doing it and now you just give up. It says you will reap if you don't relax 
and loosen from the point of origin, the point of motion. That means it's not telling you, hey, chin up, kid. Stay encouraged. It's telling you, I don't care how you feel. You keep doing what the word of the Lord tells you to do. And you don't relax. Don't relax. I, no, we're setting, we're setting that treadmill to five miles an hour, seven miles an hour, whatever it is. And we're not going to let that go down. Because, you know, a lot of us think, oh, well, I didn't get off the treadmill. That's not what scripture says. It says keep the treadmill at seven miles an hour. Because if it goes down to six, if it relaxes from the point that you were called to run at seven, then you have forfeited the harvest that God has created for you. So church, I'm not saying just stay encouraged. I'm saying don't you stop. That's what Paul did. That's what Paul did. He said, don't you stop. God is not mocked. He will complete what he started within you. All right, I'll end with this. I'm really done. Prosperity flows out of consistent biblical stewardship. I love that word stewardship. And I've never heard anyone preach a message on this. I, I guess I should sometime. I've never heard someone preach. If you find one, email it to me. I've never heard a preacher talk about Jesus. You know, we, we hear all about Jesus as Lord, Jesus as King, Jesus as healer. I've never really heard a sermon on Jesus as a steward. I'm sure they're out there. But I was thinking about John chapter 17. And, and in John 17, we have Jesus giving an account for the things that he was supposed to steward. And I want to read this to you in the message because it really moved me pretty deeply this week as I was thinking of the things that I'm called a steward. Money, my time, my husbandry, my fatherhood, my possessions, the inheritance that I'm going to leave my kids, the legacy that I want to leave the world. There are many things that I'm called a steward. And I, and I love how Jesus in John 17 I'll just read it to you. How he gives an account to the Father. He was called, by the way, as steward of the church. He is the steward of the church. The global church. Big C church. Which is one reason why it's so important that you and I always stay in unity. Because our unity reflects the stewardship of Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus wants his word to produce a harvest for the Father. So he, he will come in and he will help us get unified if we need his help, but we don't want his help in that. We want to get that right ourselves, right? We want to humble ourselves before the Lord so that he doesn't need to humble us. Are you following me? Church, he, he's the steward of the church. And I want to tell you in John 17, it's so beautiful how he says in verse six, he's talking to the Father and he says, I spelled out, your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me and they have now done what you said. They know now beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. Do you see? He's saying everything I have that you've given to me, I've departed and I've stewarded it well. I've released it well. I've hovered over it. I've nurtured it. So beautiful. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. 
Verse nine, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but those who you gave me. In other words, there's a special attention of Jesus on the church. He loves the whole world, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. That's great. But he is giving special attention to you. Everything, mine is yours and yours mine. And my life is on display in them. Verse 11, for I no longer... I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me so they can be one heart and one mind. Fear of missing out on stewardship. No, prosperity. Fear of missing out on prosperity begins with us understanding Galatians 6, 7. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you that your word is true. God, I thank you that this concept, which goes far beyond money, God, if we're caught up and, and we're offended at the, the notion of money right now, we're just being sidetracked. The, the enemy has convinced us that there's, there's this sideshow. God, the true message is, is the fact that, God, you reward those who seek you. God, you reward those that surrender to you. God, that you can be trusted with not just our money and our earthly possessions, but God, everything that we have. And so God, for the people that are in the room or watching online right now, God, we just... We take a moment to say yet again, we surrender all that we have and all that we are, and we give it to you, our faithful steward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.